Listener, thank you for pressing play on the latest edition of the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. How you doing? My name's Robert Kerr here on the show that takes you on a weekly dip into the world's game being played right here in the Great Lakes State of Michigan. About a midweek episode here, another whirlwind soccer weekend in our rear view mirror as well as another one up ahead. To review a little bit, uh, we'll go down the ranks. We'll start in pro action. Detroit City FC faced a very tough New Mexico side in front of another big, big crowd in Hamtramck. It looked like DCFC were set for a, a scrappy 2-1 win, but were ultimately undone at the very end and were pegged back to a 2-2 draw. Uh, Michigan Stars were inactive again this week, but they do sit in second place in the NISA table. They're active once again on August 6th when they welcome the Cal United Strikers to Romeo High School Stadium. And there was plenty of amateur playoff action to review as the Muskegon Risers give them a salute here. They won the NPSL Midwest on Friday up in Muskegon at the death. 1-0 win. Congrats to the Risers on their continued undefeated season, which continues Saturday back up in Muskegon as they take off Crossfire Redmond team coming from Washington in the national semifinal. What a year they're having over there on the West Coast in USL 2 playoff action. Kalamazoo FC, the Great Lakes uh, Conference winners, ultimately fell in penalty kicks to Kingshammer aside out of the Cincinnati area. Tough loss for Kalamazoo after they had a great regular season, while the Flint City Bucks beat Chicago FC United 2-1 pretty handily. They kinda, probably could have had a bigger scoreline than that, but they took care of business at home to advance to the conference finals on Friday versus the Des Moines Menace. In the features on today's episode, got great interviews, two parts ahead. We talked to the Midwest Premier League winning side owner of Inter Detroit, or one of the many owners of Inter Detroit, Edwin Jimenez is on the show, and we review the very exciting conclusion to the Midwest Premier League's Eastern Conference Final, what turned out to be the ultimate first versus second place game in a league that doesn't have playoffs. It just so worked out that the first and second place team battled it out, and it was Inter-Detroit that came out on top in a very dramatic 3-2 win. So we talked to Edwin Jimenez from Inter Detroit about their season and the very dramatic and successful conclusion to their Midwest Premier League season. And then after that, we talked to Michael Dublis of the Soccer Rebellion. The Soccer Rebellion is a tour a pop-up tournament a five-on-five that's gone across the country, and there's two dates in Michigan coming up here in August. So very fun chat with him. So enjoy 
Edwin Jimenez, and then Michael Dublis from the Soccer Rebellion here on Michigan Soccer Central. Welcome back, listeners, to Michigan Soccer Central. Very excited to hear from my next guest. There was another championship decided at the weekend. It was a first versus second winner-take-all matchup in the Midwest Premier League East Conference. And to walk us through not only the what turned out to be a championship game, but their season, and to let listeners know a little bit more about the club, I've got the owner of Inter Detroit, Mr. Eddie Jimenez. Welcome to the back to the show. Glad to be back, and uh, it's pretty ironic, the circumstances. Ironic. Tell us why. I think, uh, when, I don't know if it was February, March, or April when I was on last time, I think I ended saying that we were going to win the Midwest Premier League, and uh, here we are. Well, the the preseason uh, preview that I did for Midwest Premier League, you said that uh, you were going all out for the 2022 Midwest Premier League season, and you've done just that. Uh, you and your inter-Detroit side traveled up to Lansing. You were in second place just uh, within obviously within a win of the summit and you played the first place Lansing common team in their home stadium and it was a 3-2 thriller uh, walk us through uh, that amazing game on Saturday up in Lansing yeah I mean they had a great crowd there we knew we you know we expected that so we knew that we had to be ready to go and just focus on what we could control and you know the, the atmosphere of a final match for both teams was definitely there both teams came out ready to go. Um, it was a pretty good game for the most part. You know, like both teams came to play, so it was good on that end. And, um, you know, luckily we came out on top. But, you know, there was its moments where we – not that we doubted what we could do, but, you know, it definitely got harder as the game progressed. But, um, you know, it was just meant to be for us. And when it's meant to be for you, it'll be. So, luckily we came out in our favor. Yes, uh, so when I was able to uh, put it on my phone when I was out and about on Saturday and I saw you guys were down 2-1 late, is that the moment that you're saying that you were having some doubts? Yeah, I mean, it's was, it was funny because I, I know one of our players had got the red right before that, or and there's two, so I actually walked him to the locker room. As when I was coming back from the locker room, the free kick was about to be, you know, kick it was being set up so it just had a feeling that like that was gonna go in you know we have we had a really good goalkeeper in Brandon in net but like they had all the momentum at that moment and they were in a perfect position to score and it just happened so walking back I just thought like you know man it's it's gonna get a lot harder these next you know six seven minutes that are left but if there's a team that could pull it together and get it done it was definitely us so so walk us through uh, the story of the game on Saturday for those who are not able to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think for the most part of the first half, we controlled the game. We had a lot of chances. We, you know, we failed to capitalize on those chances. And I think they had a couple good balls here and there, but we were pretty comfortable where we were at. And um, one, you know, one mishap defensively, they scored pretty much right before the end of the first half. So, you know, went into the half trailing you know, we came out, same same plan, nothing changed. And then uh, I think around, like, the 60th minute, Gavin was able to score, you know, give us a little bit of momentum. And then for the next 20, 25 minutes, 
it was pretty even. Then that free kick came down, you know, where we were down two to one now. And then I think like within the minute, we were able to score that two two. And it, it just shows that like, you know, it was meant to be for us because that goalkeeper that they had was actually very good and he had been good leading up to that point. And so like, you know, the shot was a good shot, but it was a bit of a, you know, error on the goalkeeper. But like that just kind of shows to us that like it was meant to be for us. And I think the guys understood that. You know, it really didn't matter what went down. If we just, you know, kept working, we could get the result we wanted. And, you know, after that second goal, a couple of minutes passed by, once they gave the, um, you know, at, at the time, they added about like nine minutes, which was kind of crazy. The most I've seen ever or been a part of. And, you know, within 30 seconds of, at past 90, we were able to score that third one. And I think it was just, I think it was over from there. I think they knew that it wasn't going to be, what they thought it was. And I think we were comfortable enough to be able to hold on for nine more minutes. So in about the 84th or fifth minute or so, your inter Detroit side goes down to the table topping Lansing comments. So you were a man down and a goal down in the final game, first place versus second place goal down. And you turn it around to three, two to leapfrog Lansing common FC to win the Midwest Premier League's Eastern Conference. Uh, if I haven't said it already, congratulations. Like, how does that feel? We're about a, a few days after the fact. How did you feel there at the final whistle, and how are you feeling now a couple days down the down the road from that? Well, thank you, thank you. And, um, I mean, right after the event, I think, right after they, they blew the whistle, it, just, it felt a little bit surreal. You know, it's not like we won the Champions League, you know, but when you put in a lot of work and, you know, you spend a lot on different things for the team so they can have everything that they need, you know, between myself, all the ownership and sponsors. I mean, for us, it was a big deal because we're not similar to any other club. So, you know, we do things a little differently over here. And for us to be able to, you know, face different kinds of teams, different structures, it proves that what we're doing works, you know? And I think that was the biggest thing that felt the best because, you know, the obstacles that we have faced, and the things we face regularly, you know, it, it really didn't matter at that moment, you know, because we, we achieved the goal and uh, we beat a lot of good teams on the way there. And we also lost to some good teams on the way there. But, you know, it just it was a culmination of everything put together, including even with our reserve side, you know, we, you know, would bring up and bring down a lot of different guys. So it was more of a, a team effort between all 50 guys on the roster, not just you know, the MWPL guys, but everything from trainings and from guys just, you know, hanging out with each other, it was a whole team effort. So it just felt, it just felt right. And it felt like that moment was like, we earned it. And then even now, a couple of days later, it's still, still pretty surreal because it's over now. You know, it's like something that we put in so much work, something that we invested a lot in is it's pretty much over till next year. You know, and I know, I know a lot of guys were a sigh of relief, you know, that's why Sunday's game didn't go as, as planned. But, you know, the team deserved it. I think we we put in more than just the hard work. You know, we all sacrificed a lot to, to be first place. So you mentioned there uh, that your team is put together differently. Uh, could you go into detail about what, what things are unique to you, enter Detroit? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, we're very, you know, I know a lot in, in lower league soccer, a lot of teams um, try to build around their community, and we do as well. 
I think the biggest thing is, I think I've mentioned this before, we really just focus a lot on being able to put together the best product for the players that are in into Detroit. So, you know, whatever funding we have, we pretty much reinvest it back into the club and into the players and experiences for them, whether it be bringing teams like from Mexico or facing teams at higher levels or giving them the best, you know, trainings and stuff like that. So, you know, I know teams are very community first, but we're a little bit more like our team first, take care of ourselves first, and then, you know, branch out from there. So we're just really hands-on with our players, like, in their development and helping them whatever they can to to progress their careers as well. You said you had a, a player pool of 50 or so. Um, did that many players uh, suit up for Inter during the Midwest Premier League season, or do you have uh, multiple teams within um, Inter Detroit, the club? Well, yeah, we have um, two teams, uh, one Midwest Premier League, one UPSL. Um, for the Midwest Premier League, I think we probably rostered, like, or registered, I should say, about, like, 30, 30, 30, between 30 and 35. And then the other ones were just strictly UPSL. But guys would go up and down based on, you know, certain games. Like, I know for some games in the UPSL, like, when we made playoffs, you know, we kind of started spreading some guys around because then it became trying to win both leagues. So, just having that number allows us to put out the best 18 to 20 guys every Saturday or every Sunday. So is that what you meant when you said Sunday didn't go as planned? Were you speaking about a UPSL game? No, no. Midwest really, um, Sunday we played SARS. We actually ended up losing to them. Um, but it was just, it was a weird day because, you know, our preparation for games are just different, but we had already won the league literally the night before. So it was just kind of like, guys, maybe they might have been a little bit checked out, you know, but um, we still had a game to play regardless. So guys showed up and played, but I knew that they knew that the task was already, the task at hand was completed, you know, so they just went out there, just try to have some fun with each other one last time. And the result really didn't impact us too much, but I think that played a bit of a factor. And so uh, with you coming on the show preseason, you were kind of putting things in development still. Now here you are at the end of it. You sigh uh, a breath of relief to a degree, but uh, it's almost, you said, surreal because like it's kind of hard to believe it's all over after all that you've put into it for the last few months. And I mean, as it is for kind of like the, the summer soccer season, and now I imagine everybody kind of goes their own ways and all that. Is that kind of how it's been this week? Kind of all the college guys going this way and the other? Yeah, you know, like we had um, the final game, fed the player, just kind of talked to them like, hey, you know, this is pretty much it for the summer. Obviously, some guys are going to stay for the whatever we do in the fall. Um, some guys are going to stay. Some guys are going to go back to school. So it was just more of a like letting guys know what the plan was moving forward and just thanking them for, you know, all their hard work because essentially without the players, the team is nothing. You know, players have to buy into the program and to the ideas of the club. And, you know, it was just a little bit bittersweet having to, you know, tell guys goodbye, but more of a see you later because, you know, like we were pretty successful this year, so we want to be able to recreate that next year. So just letting guys know that they're always welcome to stop by whenever they have a chance. So you put yourselves in, like, the window to win the title in the the last weekend of the season with a, with a game in hand, it seems. Um, kind of walk us through how did the, the season go? Was it uh, – did you come out of the blocks hot? Like, kind of walk us through the season for uh, 
enter Detroit through the Midwest Premier League season? The I mean, the, to start the first game, I think it was on Mother's Day versus Jags, and that was our first test. It was our first game in the MWPL, and it was, would have been the first test. Um, we ended up winning that, and then we lost to Livonia. Um, so that was a bit – we were one-on-one, so, you know, could season could go either way, but it's still early. And then that's when we just got hot. I think we won five or five or six games in a row. I think – no, five games in a row. And, you know, it was just one game at a time, though. I know we went five in a row, but every game was just literally week by week, week by week. We didn't let – we didn't really think too much of it. Once we realized we had three games versus three very good opponents, I think we had Cedars, Lansing, and Stars. So – you know, we had the the harder part of the schedule towards the back end based on the standings. So we knew that we still had to keep it the same way, you know, one week at a time. And then, you know, losing the to Cedars, that was a bit of a blow for us. But we knew we still had what it took to to win and we controlled our own destiny. But I, it was kind of weird because we had been in first place since I think like the third week. And it was early because teams, some teams hadn't played and some teams had. But we were... From the third week on, we were first place, you know, and it felt good to be first place. Despite what other teams were doing schedule-wise, we were still first place. And I think people seemed to seemed to have forgotten that when we ended up losing the Cedars and went back down to second place. So it's almost like we were the favorites to win, and then I, we felt like we were the underdogs, you know, versus Lansing Common, which was pretty ironic. And then, uh, you know, we just knew we had to come out to play versus Lansing, we knew that if we won that game, based on a lot of you know results that happened in our favor, we know beating Lansing, nothing else mattered after that essentially, and you know we ended up getting the job done. But a lot of teams definitely helped us, you know, get to that there, get to that point by winning a game here, winning a game there. Are there any players that uh, you want to especially highlight that uh, did really really well for you this season, and then? might take this summer and then kind of use it as a launching pad in their uh, college in the fall? Oh, that's a tough question. You're going to, you're going to give me a, you're going to get me in trouble. No, I think, I think it was mostly all, a lot of our college guys did really well. And I think a lot of them got better from when they joined us. Cause they were all good players. Right. But from when they joined us to now pretty much in rhythm, you know, ready to go into their preseason at school. But we definitely had a lot of non-college guys that, that definitely stepped up. We had a lot of guys that, you know, we signed to the reserve side, but were at some point like becoming first team regulars, you know, and it's hard to name a couple, but I think it's just, it was just such a good team this year as a whole, you know, you can't, you have 50 guys, everybody thinks differently. It's, it's really hard to keep all 50 happy, ready to go. But I think the goal is to always try to keep everyone happy. You know, and I think even if we fall short of that on, on, you know, a few areas here and there, the team was just, you know, you could tell that the, the, the team was a family this year. And it's really hard to single out a couple guys, but we just had so many good players that really just improved, you know, on and off the field. Was this a Midwest Premier League uh, East Conference title? Is that the first for the club? Yeah, well, the first like you know organized league trophy, it's it's our first one, so it's definitely a special one. And you also brought in another uh, international friendly midseason. Uh, can you talk us through that game? Yeah, that was that was definitely a good game. Um, you know, we went through a couple of troubles, literally last minute. Um, 
we, you know, we put together what we could venue wise, but, you know, a lot of people still came out, supported us, showed us, you know, that, that they mean something and, you know, definitely helped us put on a great event and we're looking forward to doing it next year. Who did you play, ended up playing in that game? We played uh, Tigres, uh, the Tigres pretty much like the U20, which actually had a lot of guys that had already made first team debuts and um, also have been Mexico's sub sub 20. So, I mean, it was a very, a very good team. And, you know, we, we actually went down early, similar to last year. We went down 1-0 in like the first three minutes. I think it was a wake-up call both years. But this year we were able to stay in the game and the game ended up being 2-2 final. Exciting, exciting year for Inter Detroit. Um, you said that you would be doing some UPSL in the fall. Uh, not to uh, uh, highlight or gloss over uh, the feeling right now of being on the back of uh, a, a conference win, but uh, uh, I guess what is the next Inter Detroit thing that listeners could look forward to? Yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to be playing this fall in the UPSL. Um, we fell just short. This this spring, we actually made it to the quarterfinals and lost in PKs, which was a game that we felt we should have had. But kudos to AIM, who, who ended up beating us in PKs and found a way to scratch back, similar to how we you know, were able to overcome a couple deficits. But, you know, we knew that we could, we could hang with anybody in either league. And it kind of showed that we were very resilient because sometimes we would go down or we would lose two games in a row and then win three in a row. You know, so we're looking forward to the fall. Definitely, it'll be a, it'll be a different roster, but you know, we're we're confident that we'll be able to compete and hopefully, maybe get get another one. Well, Edwin Jimenez, owner of the Midwest Premier League Eastern Conference uh, champions, Inter Detroit. Thank you for once again coming on the uh, Michigan Soccer Central podcast. Appreciate it, man. I just want to give a special shout out to um, other members of the ownership, Omar Treviso, Jorge Medina, um, our coaching staff, Ryan Rowe, Tony Booz, Luis Jimenez, Charlie Lopez, um, our interns this year that were wonderful, just great, amazing, uh, Selena, Matt, Cam, Shane, and really just all the supporters and fans that you know were with us at the beginning, with us at the end, at our low times, at our high times, and continue to support us, you know, even when sometimes we feel like we don't get some of the recognition or, you know, our fans, fans, friends, and family definitely, you know, keep us grounded and keep us going. It takes a village to do all this. I mean, COVID taught us everything. It takes a lot of people to make this all happen, right? Yeah, it takes a lot of people. And sometimes, you know, we want all fans to ourselves, you know, like only support us, but, you know, soccer here in Michigan is so great and so many good teams. Um, It's nice to have, you know, a following, even if they follow a hundred different teams, but you know that they support you no, no matter what. Well, congratulations. And I'll have you back again preseason. So maybe you can set you up for another win, right? Yeah. Maybe we got to keep doing this and maybe that that'll help. All right. Take care. Thank you, Robert.
Welcome back here on Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. We've got an exciting event with two stops coming to Michigan uh, in the next couple weeks here in early August. Uh, we have the Soccer Rebellion, which is a uh, soccer tour that travels to different stops along the United States. And on August 6th is in Detroit. And in the weekend after is in Grand Rapids. And to give us all the who, what, where, why, and how is owner of the Soccer Rebellion, Mr. Michael Dublis. Dublis. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> yeah, you did do it right off the bat. Thanks for having me, Robert. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, so uh, August 6th in Detroit, the weekend after in Grand Rapids. Tell us what uh, the Soccer Rebellion is because it's exciting. You're bringing uh, your event all across the United States, and we've got two stops here in Michigan. What is it? So the, the Takeover Tour is actually a player's tour. What, what we're trying to do is showcase the cultures in each city that we travel to. So we've been in Chicago, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and Brooklyn so far, and then we'll be in Detroit and Grand Rapids. And it's a pickup-style street soccer tournament where it's 5v5, um, no referees. We do it in a little different style, um, and it's a fast-paced tournament that's done in about three and a half hours. And so the idea behind it is just to showcase the players um, and to give them a platform to really feel comfortable being creative without any pressure, without any coaching, and just to get out there and, and enjoy the game around players that also share that same love uh, for the game. So that's very exciting. You said, so it's a, almost like a, a sort of a quasi street ball sort of approach. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we, we try to mimic uh, whatever, uh, usually when Grand Rapids, what we would do or where we're originally from, uh, we have 5v5 pickup with the futsal court. So on like a Saturday morning or after work about five o'clock, we'd go play 5v5 pickup where it was all self-governed by the players. So we just try to mimic that and something that's familiar to these players that um, kind of have this ingrained DNA of the soccer culture without any governing parties. So we want to give them this platform to have their own tournament and where they can achieve success and get elevated on our platform. As someone who has definitely spent most of their time uh, playing the game in the pickup realm or small-sided games like this, this sounds uh, very exciting. Um, so so what's, is this a very serious players or is this recreational? So it varies. It's from recreational players that want to have the experience with maybe a semi-pro or pro player to, to players and teams that are really ambitious about winning the $500 because each city you win the 500 and you get an invite to our finals. So it's a mixed bag. Uh, but the idea is really for all these players that enjoy the game and love the game to see the game through multiple different levels and multiple different styles of play um, within this three-and-a-half-hour tournament. So in Detroit area, it's August 6th from uh, 6 p.m. till 9 at the uh, corner ballpark. Uh, and it says here on the website that it's a 5v5 tournament and you're going to have a DJ with some commentary. Uh, it's free for spectators as well as a, a few other um, side attractions. Absolutely. So we'll have tech ball there. We'll have kick it. We'll have... Um spot kick we'll have soccer tennis just things that all like um uh, are, are different ancillary parts of the game that enhance the touch that are part of our soccer culture that might not be familiar with someone that's outside of the soccer culture so we're just trying to put it all in one spot and give players just a place that you know they're familiar with all these things and then showcase to spectators that aren't familiar with the so soccer culture what this looks like 
So how many years have you been doing this? Because you you were on one of the first episodes of Michigan Soccer Central podcast last year. Mm-hmm. Is this the third year? This is the second year with the tour. Uh, we actually started this uh, about five years ago, and we started off with 3v3 youth tournaments. So this, this really started off with just trying to inspire more pickup and just showing the accessibility of the game where you don't need it to be super structured with lines and referees and all that. Um, you can just go out with, you know, two bags, two shoes, set up goals and just go out there and play and still have the creativity then in the individuality um, of the game through this kind of pickup scenario. And then it just continued to evolve. And we saw this kind of niche and need at the adult level after college or even after high school where, you know, there's not this get your own glory and, in type of, I don't know, uh, tournaments um, that are for everyone. It either seemed like it was super serious or it was too wreck. So we, we tried to accommodate all of that by giving and also giving it an American swagger to it. Uh, I don't know if you, you may not like this term. I suddenly came to mind, but casual competitive. Right. I get that's a, that's a, that's a fine way to say it because we also are selling beer and having beer during it. I actually MC the, the events so I definitely get a little bit intoxicated during the events while I'm emceeing. So it's, it's totally fine to call it casual. Yeah, it's fine. Um, and there's color commentary. And it's also, uh, uh, I'm drawing images of old and one mixtapes sort of thing. Like, are people going to get nicknames like hot sauce? Yes, you nailed it. Yes, correct. So that's, I mean, that, I don't know what I'm saying when I'm emceeing, to be honest with you. So I just, I'm kind of trying to insert the energy, but. If I see you wearing an outfit that stands out to me, yes, you will be definitely highlighted during the tournament. Oh, this sounds like a great time. Um, it's also uh, uh, talking about uh, like casual but very competitive is bringing some memories. Uh, when I lived in Chicago in Wicker Park, there was uh, a game nice. that would run every Sunday afternoon. It was like in an upstairs gym, like above a church. And it was literally whoever showed up and you sat on the edge of like the church stage and it was like just the next three guys. And whenever there was a goal, you had to go to the end of the line and there's the next three guys were up. And then it was just never ending. Just I never was there until the end, but I was there for hours and it just I don't know how it ever ended. But uh, it was just the next three guys up and just nonstop, nonstop. Yeah, you wanted to just keep playing. So you just, you know, you'd battle hard to be one of the teams that's still playing. But um, so uh, what uh, you said that you have you had six stops on the uh, takeover tour of 2022. Where have you been and what are some of the uh, the highlights of the stops you've been on so far? So we've done Milwaukee, Chicago. That was the first weekend. Um, That was July 9th and 10th. And then the next following weekend, we went to Philly and Brooklyn. So Milwaukee. Um, in Chicago, we actually did last year. So the nice thing was there that we actually got a lot of repeat customers and we started getting familiar with each city's kind of culture and what it looks like. And that's the beauty of what we're doing is that we get to kind of see that and bring that to life because each city definitely has its own identity and style of play. Um, because the real players, the players that are starting off of looking for pickup and things of that nature, um, there's somewhat of a community that's already there. So we get to bridge some of those gaps with the semi-pro teams and the pro teams when they come to our tournament. And then you'd be shocked to see that some of these pickup teams that, you know, aren't semi-pro really compete or beat these semi-pro pro futsal teams. Um, so Milwaukee is great. We play at Lincoln Park in Milwaukee, which is um, 
one of the city's futsal courts out there. This is our second year doing that. Uh, this year in Chicago, we played at Fleet Fields, um, which is a free park that's set up um, for players. They have two cage 5v5 uh, pitches, and then they also have an 11v11 pitch, and it overlooks the city skyline uh, in South Chicago. It, it, it's gorgeous. Um, and Nike actually came out to that one and shot a lot of content. They're interested in what we're doing. And they actually hosted two of the teams, dressed them all up in Nike gear. Um, and then we had just a lot of spectators come out. And that was the biggest party that we had because a lot of people were there just to watch. And so when it was in this scenario, in this cage, like the atmosphere just got extremely vibrant. So the energy was very high octane. And then at the end of every tournament that we have, we always go to a local bar because one of our sponsors is also Founders Brewing, um, native of Grand Rapids. So they pick a spot where they sell their, their beer and we bring everyone out there afterwards and just continue to have a good time. So Chicago was uh, unbelievable, especially with Nike being there, elevating it. They also shot some content for and dressed our players in the new unreleased um, USA gear that's going to be coming out September 24th um, for the upcoming World Cup. And so we got a sneak peek of what that looks like. And by the way, if I can say this, I don't know if I'm getting in trouble, but it's nothing of the renderings and like what people are showing of the USA men's jersey. They're actually sick. They're, they're amazing. They're awesome. So everyone's going to be surprised with the new gear that comes out for the US men's national team. Um, that's a nice little job because I think people were disappointed that because the things that they were leaking were yeah. a little bit plain. Yeah, they were terrible. So, and I, I've always been a fan of like the '94. Like that's the kit I want to come back with the Alexi Lalas, Kobe Jones kit, like with the stars, like as gaudy and ridiculous as that looks. I feel like that it's cool now. I don't know. '90 seems to be in right now. Um, I mean, I mean, it's definitely memorable. Anyone who watched that tournament remembers that shirt. No one's gonna remember just like a white, a white shirt, right? So, but they're, 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 they're awesome. They're dope. They're good. Um, and then we went to Philadelphia the next week and in Philadelphia actually collaborated with Philadelphia Union, the MLS team. And we did our tournament in the parking lot at Philadelphia Union. Um, so we had our live DJ there and everyone that registered a team actually got free tickets to the game that night. Um, and we watched them play New England Revolution. And to my surprise, because I think that's my second MLS game. I think I went a while back when Chicago uh, Fire played at Toyota Field, and that was felt like Mickey Mouse Disney stuff. But Philadelphia Union, it was a jam-packed stadium. You had the uh, loyal fan section, and it was just nuts. It was rocking. It felt like you were in what I would imagine an EPL game would be like. It was just very vibrant. So it was really awesome to see played under the lights, and that stadium's right on the river a little bit outside Philadelphia. So everyone got to have that experience. Um, and then the next day on Sunday, we went to Brooklyn and played at a place called the Soccer Roof. And that is a uh, basically a big bar with three mini pitches inside of it. So it had all the accommodations that we already needed. We set up the DJ and Brooklyn soccer culture, New York soccer culture, um, that tournament filled in like two days because there's so many soccer players out there with the density that they have out there. So getting familiarized with all that stuff, it was just, it's been an unbelievable journey thus far, just uncovering like what America soccer culture really looks like. I mean, you got me excited over here. That sounds like a great time. And you've had some great experiences already uh, this summer with uh, the takeover tour. So bringing it back to Michigan, though, um, you were in the, the corner ballpark on August 6th, right there on Michigan Avenue in Detroit. So 
Uh, what is that playing field going to look like there? So that's a baseball field. It's Old Tiger Stadium, and we did it last year. So we just break up right near the third baseline, um, two 5v5 fields, and we try to border it as much as possible. But right in the middle of it, we'll have your live DJ. You'll have your founder station. We'll have tech ball right behind the fields. And last year, that was that was the most vibrant stop. Detroit soccer culture is insane. Like that, the players that come to that understand what we're doing without us having to go in a lot of description. A lot of what we do, I feel like I'm trying to educate players on what it is and what we're trying to do and the concept behind it. But Detroit didn't need any of that. They showed up ready to have a good time, play for the love of the game, and then also compete. So when they were done playing, whatever it was, they weren't shy of sticking around the field. A lot of the times as the MC, I have to encourage that behavior and really control the crowd by saying, no, part of this vibrant experience that you're getting is by staying around and, and seeing the other cultures and, and giving this atmosphere to the players that are on the field. Detroit, I didn't have to say any of that. They all understood to stay around and watch the game. And enthusiastically, they wanted to watch the game. Um, Detroit, by far, was the best stop we had. So I'm super excited about doing this in Detroit. And we've also partnered with Waza, Waza Flow, with Dominic. Um, and they're, they're someone that we look up to in a lot of ways because they've originated kind of this street the street soccer field in Detroit long times ago. Um, and so this year we wanted to show homage to them and bring them in and, and have them set up in any way that they want just to, to show the roots and show the community that Detroit's already has established. So they're going to be part of this event. Last year they, they were breakdancing at the event where we had someone freestyle rapping on the mic. Um, so it, it's just a great time. <laughs> It sounds like a party and a lot of soccer. And you said it's going to be boarded. Are you, so you guys going to like build like a, a cage sort of a thing or uh, like a hockey sort of a wall? Or like what's that going to look like? We So last year we didn't. Last year we did lines. Now we have the assets to board it. I have mixed feelings on boarding it because uh, when we do that, then it eliminates the out of bounce. So the technical skill gets a little bit more sloppy, if that makes sense. So, totally. so we, we, I, I, I like it better when there's a little bit more technique involved in it. So it definitely showcases that when you have to play in those tighter spaces, a little bit more confined. Um, so I don't think we'll board it that way. We'll just have some, we'll just have some things stopping it. So it doesn't interfere with the game next to it. And it just controls the flow a little better. So if the ball does go out of bounds, there's something to stop it and you guys can get right back on and play. But if you're controlling the mic, I bet if someone's just wall banging, I bet you might you could you could call them out. For it, right? <laughs> no doubt, <laughs> that that is my job, and I love doing that. So after about two founders beers, I'm definitely not shy about telling people that they're being soft or they're not playing the right way, in my opinion. <laughs> so the weekend after that, uh, August thirteenth, you're out in uh, Grand Rapids. Uh, you said that's like your your hometown. Uh, where are you going to be playing there? So we're at Lincoln Park. Uh, we originally planned, and we actually got new futsal courts um, downtown Grand Rapids that are being built. They're just not going to be ready. So that was the original plan. But Lincoln Park is right down the street, um, and we played our, our Rebel League there last year. So we also do a street soccer league. Um, it's right in the mix of our downtown area off of Bridge Street where there's all the bars. Um, and so we're going to be doing it at Lincoln Park on that Saturday and we have all these local vendors that we've established friendships with coming out and that's going to be just a Grand Rapids party and we've actually lowered the price thanks to founders there on an extra sponsorship um, to $30 per team in Grand Rapids if anyone wants that. 
That sounds excellent. Ex that sounds excellent. And you said there's still spots available for uh, the Detroit stop? Yep. And Detroit's only $100 per team. And the same thing with them. They just gave us this extra sponsorship. So we we're able to lower the cost. And that's definitely our mission is not to pocket any money, but to promote the game the best way that we can. We always try to put the game first and then think about ourselves second. Um, so in inclusion is definitely one of the biggest parts of our mission. So making it accessible for everybody um, is what we're trying to do. So if anyone wants to sign up for that, that's listening to this, where should they go? You can go to the soccer, the is the important part, the soccerrebellion.com. And it's right there headlined on our page. And you just click on the arrow underneath the date that you want to go to and just you shop for one team um, and then you can just pay online and then you'll be registered. It'll be good to go. So cool. So cool. Uh, getting me excited for this. I got to uh, get my calendar cleared so I can make it down to the corner ballpark and go to uh, the takeover tour here on the Detroit stop. And then uh, the next week for the West Siders out in Grand Rapids, Michael Dubliss. Thank you so much for joining uh, Michigan Soccer Central once more, making a repeat appearance. And then thank you for uh, yeah, getting the uh, kind of the, the the not so structured culture, but the fun culture of soccer uh, out and about here uh, for us here in Michigan. My pleasure, Robert. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you so much, listener, for tuning in to this week's episode of the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Thank you so much to my guests, Edwin Jimenez from Enter Detroit, and congrats to them once more. And then Michael Dubliss from the Soccer Rebellion. I think I might end up heading out to the Detroit event for that a little five-on-five five action, and then maybe I'll try to hop up on the mic with him as well, or at least hang out with him. It sounds like a really good time soccer and hanging out. Couldn't be much more fun. In addition to uh, this podcast, if you want to look into either one of them anymore, uh, Kyle Clayton and the Midwest Premier League social team put together a really good recap. Their match of the week video was really recapped that Lansing versus Inter Detroit game really well. So if you want to catch some video and some interviews uh, from that game, I suggest you go to the Midwest Premier League uh, socials and check out that uh, match of the week featurette. It uh, really sums up uh, what an exciting and a record-breaking crowd up there in Lansing. I don't think I mentioned that on the show already. So not only was there a great game, there was a great crowd. Plenty of fans came out, and I'm sure some fans were made up in Lansing. So uh, lots of great stuff across the board. And um, I guess that's it for now. Thank you to uh, editor Jenny Hajnaki for putting in the hours to make this show get together each and every week. And a special shout-out, as always, to the Michigan Soccer Central core team for helping make this show go. So, until next time, everybody, enjoy your soccer.